a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about the economy. How are we doing while we're still in the middle of a pandemic? Joining me today is Robert Spinlove. He is the Senior Economist for Zion Bank. And we also have Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Robert, I'm going to start with you. Today, we did have some new unemployment numbers come out, and it looks like across the U.S., 20,000 more people filed for first-time unemployment benefits than they had the week before. Does this mean the economy isn't recovering from the pandemic? No, what, what, what we're seeing is, you know, and that's a weekly number, which it, it's great that we have those high-frequency indicators but they also need to be uh, taken with kind of a grain of salt because they can be more volatile. So they can bump around, they can go up or down a little bit based on uh, kind of smaller trends. Um, we, we have, it is consistent with some overall uh, kind of slowing that we're seeing in the economy. Um, the, the, the jobs report from last Friday showed a little bit more weakness as well. Um, but to me, I don't think it's an in, uh, a sign that the, economy is reversing. It's just a little bit slower than it was a week or two ago. I do want to get more specific into that at this recovery, because during the pandemic, the rich just kept getting richer and the poor got even poorer. So how can we say that the economy is getting better when there's this huge gap between the two classes or three classes? The overall economy, so that what we call the gross domestic product is the broadest measure of the economy, um, is higher today than it was pre-pandemic. Um, so we, we've, in, in the technical sense of the word, the economy has uh, fully recovered. However, you have a great point, which is there are many parts of the economy that still are suffering. So our unemployment rate uh, is down to just over 5%. Um, it's at 5.2%, which is generally what we consider to be full employment. However, we still have 5 million fewer jobs today than before the pandemic. So that's 5 million fewer people working today than, than a year and a half ago. And our labor participation is half of what it was, uh, or we've only recovered half of what we lost before the pandemic. So not only are there a lot of people not working, but they're actually sitting on the sidelines. They've, they've given up on the labor market for a number of different reasons, but they've lost confidence in the economy and in the job market. 
Well, how are they surviving? So essentially what we're seeing, there's two primary groups that we that we think uh, are being impacted. One of them is uh, older workers. The other one is women. And, you know, we really saw this with our jobs report last week. Uh, only 20% of the, of the people that came into the labor force uh, last month were women. And it should be much higher. So it's people that can afford or that have a little bit more flexibility in their employment choices, but they also can be pushed out a lot easier. So with, with older workers, they have a legitimate fear of the spread of the virus. And, you know, and they're saying, if it's a choice between, um, you know, staying home and, and being well and going to work and getting sick, I'm just going to stay home. Maybe I'm, maybe, uh, maybe I'm going to retire or, or I'm going to um, find something different that I can do. With women, it really is the availability of, of childcare. And we see this, continue to see these struggles to find um, affordable childcare options. And it, it, it's been made even worse because of the pandemic. And uh, so it's really uh, preventing women uh, from coming back into the workforce and it's constraining our overall economic growth. When are we going to get to the point where the men stay home and take care of the kids so that women can be in the workforce? Well, I'm an economist, not a social science, uh, <laughs> social scientist. Okay. Susan, what are you seeing this year with people coming in with taxes if they have been out of the workplace? I mean, how is the economy affecting their taxes right now? We're seeing some kind of interesting things, and um, we've seen a lot of business growth. We've seen a lot of businesses go away. So if we look at from an individual tax standpoint, a lot of people had unemployment, they're getting the credits. I mean, we had, I mean, we had a lot of programs that were going on during the pandemic that helped people kind of stay afloat. Those programs are slowly going away. I think that the 2021 filing season is going to tell a very different story from what 2020 did. Um, but we're also seeing something kind of interesting in that as those that have left the workforce are, I mean, a lot of people are having to reinvent themselves. I mean, we look at the hospitality workers, we look at those that are in the restaurant businesses and everything, and th those workers are saying, you know, at one time we thought these jobs were secure, maybe not so much anymore, I need to educate myself, or they're, or they're seeking to do things that they're more passionate about. So we're seeing kind of a subtle shift going on, which, which is kind of in, which is kind of interesting to watch. And it, it for for me, it it makes me more curious about the shifting unemployment and the jobless claims and all that. Because at the end of the day, we still have to survive. This is actually a good place to take a break. When we come back, Robert, I want to go back to you. In the jobless claims that we have, especially the latest numbers, I want to go into which sectors are most affected by those jobless claims. So we'll be right back with Robert Spendlove. He is a senior economist for Zion Bank and also Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. 
Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about the economy, which if you're rich, you're loving it. If you're poor, you're not. So joining me today is Robert Spinlove, the senior economist for Zion Bank, and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Now, Robert, we touched on this a little bit in that first segment. The economy was good for some and not for others. And the latest jobless numbers... Of those people that are filing for unemployment, do we know how that breaks down by industry? Who are the people that are out of work right now? A way that we can look at that is where the jobs are growing by industry. So uh, we, we don't have a, a, a good feel for exactly where the unemployment is, but we know where the employment growth is. So if we go back to the, the jobs report from last Friday, there were two very surprising trends. The first one was leisure and hospitality kind of go back into when the when the recession started that was the area that was just destroyed um that you know lost millions of jobs in in you know uh, uh, in the months of uh, march and april and so we we would need to see big growth in leisure and hospitality to get back to where we were pre-pandemic and we've been seeing that we've been seeing very strong growth in that sector but in the last month so in the month of august Leisure and hospitality didn't grow at all. And so that's a problem. Fact that we're, we're seeing no growth. And then the other one is public education actually shrank. Again, you, we would expect and we were expecting to see big growth in uh, education. Again, we know what happened. We, we're not positive exactly why it happened. Um, but I think part of it is that, you know, there's, there's teachers concerned about going back in this school. There's, again, that fear of the, of the virus. But I think another part of it, though, was also that schools uh, brought teachers in extra early uh, to, to, be, to get the training they needed for the school year. Um, and then one other area that I was really surprised by was construction. So, you know, we've seen such big growth in construction and such high demand for construction um, but uh, construction employment also fell in the last month. So another sign of an area that's peaked and is now uh, uh, dropping back again. Could the construction part be because there's such a supply chain issue going on? Absolutely. And we, we've heard so much about that. You know, six months ago it was wood prices. And now wood prices are back down. But I, I just saw yesterday steel prices have now increased by, they've doubled. Um, over what they were uh, uh, recently. And so we just keep seeing all these struggles, whether it's concrete or roofing materials. or But there's also been, there's some concern that there has been overbuilding. And so maybe they're pulling back a little bit as the, you know, as we go into the fall and we see signs of decreasing consumer demand. Our economy as a whole has changed over the decades, obviously, but aren't we mostly like a service-based industry? This, like a large portion of our economy before the pandemic was based on the service industry. So if that completely fell apart and it's also not growing at all and some of it is shrinking, how is the economy as a whole still growing? Well, the, so the service sector is still doing, the service industry is doing well. Um, if you look at things like 
professional and business services uh, is growing really strong. Uh, financial activities are doing well. Other services. So our overall service sector is, is uh, growing pretty strong. And I would say that's where our economy will continue to be shifting. You know, we, we've got this major labor shortage and people are becoming much more demanding in the kind of jobs that they want to do. And they are saying they want to do jobs with more flexibility where they, where they don't have to go in and, you know, uh, uh, punch a time clock and, you know, stand on, a, on an assembly line. And so we continue to see that shift to more of that service sector uh, economy. I guess I've always lumped hospitality and service. That's customer service. When you're in hospitality, you're a customer service person. So if you're that person who doesn't have a job anymore in hospitality, I'm going, the economy is not working. Yeah. And you're right. They are part of the service sector, but there are different, there, there's industries within the economy and there's the general goods goods producing and then there's the general service producing but within that service producing you've got those different areas the financial activities professional business services education and health leisure and hospitality and then other services and then you might count government in part of services too because government doesn't actually produce a good but yeah so those are all part of that that broader service susan anything to add on this particular point I think that we we go back to labor and the labor shortages. You know, we have concern as as we look at human capital, we look at the shifting economies, we look at the different, you know, Robert, you just mentioned the different components of the service industries. As low as our jobless rate is, as much as some people say, you know what, this economy isn't treating me well, we still have more jobs available than we have human beings to take them. That's a national statistic. I'm not sure what, quite what that looks like here in Utah, but that's a concern. I mean, you know, to me, it says, you know, we're going into an employee market, not so bad, but also we have all these other dynamics that we need to be aware of and start strategizing around, you, you know, as we look at even our own Utah economy. And, and can I just add to what Susan just said? Because I actually have that number. The data just came out. There are 11 million open jobs right now in the country. So we've got, we've got this huge demand for workers, um, but we've got this disconnect mm-hmm. between these open jobs and whether it's the desire or the skill that people have for those open jobs. But are all the open jobs in industries that people want to work in? That's exactly right. That's, the, that's that, the struggle. It's a mismatch. It's a mismatch. And we've got people are having to retrofit themselves, if you will. They're having to re-educate themselves. And and whether we like it or not, we've had some people that have been out of work due, due to the pandemic for nine to 12 months, and they've kind of gotten used to that. And so to gear them back up, it's tough at best. There are a lot of things that are hard to really put a number to that are in play in this and, and how it's going to shake out. It's going to be fascinating to watch. We do need to take one more break. When we come back, we will talk about how do we get people back into the workforce that aren't there and how do we fill 11 million jobs when there's only maybe like 5 million people looking for a job? So we'll be right back with Susan Spears. She is the CEO of UACPA and also Robert Spendlove, the Senior Economist for Science Bank. 
Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about the economy, the jobs, the people looking for them. Maybe they're not. Joining me today is Robert Spinla, the senior economist for Zion Bank, and Susan Spears, CEO of UACPA. So when we left off in that last segment, Robert, you had just said that there are 11 million open jobs. So if you're looking for a job, there's 11 million of them somewhere. But according to the latest figures, only 332,000 people are actively seeking unemployment benefits. I'm going to say there's probably a couple of million who, as Susan had said, they given up, possibly. So that puts us at almost two and a half million people who are out of work with 11 million jobs to fill. How do we do that? Well, <laughs> this is the struggle. I mean, Heather, there's there's no easy answers and no one knows exactly what the right strategy is. I think one of the things is uh, employers need to be thinking of ways to entice these workers back in. So they exist. The people are there. They're just sitting on the sidelines and they don't want to, to be working right now. So one of the ways is flexibility. Give people more uh, flexibility in their time not only in when you work, but when you take time off. Pay certainly is, is a way to encourage more people to come in. But I really think people, uh, one of the priorities that I hear a lot is those non-pay benefits. And I think that, that we, we have to be creative to get people um, to want to work. So you're an economist by trade. So mm -hmm. let's pretend for a moment, put our hypothetical hats on, that the economist industry just doesn't exist anymore. But you're a numbers guy. And the only thing really open or where most of the jobs are, are waiting tables. Are you going to do that to make a living? Oh, yeah, I would. But, I, but I'd ask them to match the same pay that I got before. <laughs> so uh, now the, the question is, would I do that as a career? No, I wouldn't. That's the thing I think that is a, a, that nobody's talking about is what if your dream where you know you're going to be happy and most of us try to preach that do what makes you happiest so that you will be satisfied in your career. But if you just pick something just to put money on the table, which you may have to in certain instances, but as a career long term, you're going to be a miserable person. And nobody's talking about that. Is that why people aren't going to the jobs that are open is because they think they'll be miserable doing that job? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think it's just a matter of, well, another part of it too is because of, now this isn't a bad thing, but because of the, the high level of government support that we've gotten in the, in the last year, it's freed people up to be a little more discerning in what they decide they want to do. And so, you know, they, we, we have record high savings rate. Um, we had, you know, between the enhanced unemployment benefit and the, the checks coming into, uh, into homes and the, the child tax credit, there's a, a lot, of, lot more government support today than there was uh, two years ago. And so it's kind of freed people up to have more, uh, more options in, in what they do. So they are being a little pickier than they were in the past. Well, and I think also to your point, I mean, you made an interesting point that, yes, I would wait, wait tables. I mean, you, you know, you have obligations and all that. And we're, we're hearing that and we're, we're seeing that, but people, 
I think that the pandemic taught us one thing to, to your point as well, Heather, is that I'm not happy doing this. I need to, to retrofit or I need to do something different. So I think that that's part of this shift that we're going through as a state and even as a nation. And that's going to take some time to work its way out. But in the meantime, Robert, you're you're going to want those same wages waiting tables as you're making as an economist. And, and that kind of starts creating that inflation, if you will. And then to boot, you're probably going to want to have flexible hours. You know, so maybe you're working three hours in the morning and four hours in the afternoon or whatever that works like, looks like. So, you know, we have the individual changes that we're all going through. But businesses are also having to retrofit themselves to be able to engage and meet the expectations of this new workforce economy, if you will, as we've discovered that we can work remotely and we can work flexibly and still get the job done. So I think that we're going through a period where we're just having to kind of refigure things out. And then you add to that automation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, there's been a lot of resistance to adopting automation, but now a lot of these companies are saying, well, we don't have any options but to automate. So, you know, now if you go to McDonald's, they're going to push you towards ordering on a kiosk rather than with a person. And, and their argument is we can't find the workers to be able to, to take your order. So I think this, this really speeds up that automation that we that's been coming on for a while. And in mm-hmm. Japan, a ton of the of workers in restaurants especially have been replaced decades ago. They have automated baristas. It's all automated. They don't actually have a person barista anymore to give your coffee and the same with sushi and you go into all these restaurants. So that it hasn't quite made its way over here to the US, but I have a feeling it's coming. Well, and it's the same thing as Right now, we're meeting over Zoom. And two years ago, there is no way we would have done this over Zoom. And it existed. The technology was there, but no one was willing to do it. And no one wanted you know, that, that learning curve. But now it's here. And I don't see it going away. You know, I, I think people are, this is that paradigm shift. This is that long-term change. And uh, we're right in the middle of going through this uh, this this pandemic change, and you know, I, I don't know what the world will look like five years from now, but it, five years from now, it will not look anything like it looked five years ago. We're we're changing, and we're not going back. Robert, as we wrap things up, how long do you see us existing in this pandemic economy? You know, it's so tough. I mean, I I, I think we've got to be honest. I think we've got a couple more years. I really do. And, and, you know, the example of that to me is when in the spring, the CDC said, we're all good, you know, everyone returned back to normal, and then we get the Delta variant. And I just don't know if if we can't defeat the virus, then we're going to keep dealing with it. And we're still trying to figure out how to get vaccines out. Uh, there's part of Africa where only 3% of their population is vaccinated. Parts of of Europe and Asia. And so those create those supply chain breakdowns, which create the inflation which creates the problem. And so really until you have the whole world in a stable state, we're going to be dealing with this. And I just don't think that that happens for a few more years. Susan, any last words? 
You know, I tend to agree with Robert. I think that we, we still have this for the next couple of years. And as frustrating as I think a lot of people are, I mean, I'll admit I've been frustrated a time or two just trying to navigate through this. I think that we have so many opportunities to really create a better world, a better workforce with all the technology that has come through. And if we put on our thinking caps, if we, um, if we can learn to work together, I, I think that we really, I think we really have some good times ahead, but we, we kind of have to go through this little bubble for a minute, but we'll come out of it much better if we'll allow ourselves to. Thank you so much. One thing I learned is there are jobs out there you may have to not be happy with the job you have for a little while, but it might give you some breathing room to figure out what it is you really do want to do and be happy at. Definitely. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.